0: One of Jesus' favorite teaching devices was the use of these little stories that we call parables. If you're going to understand the Gospels and Jesus' teaching, then you need to understand these stories. My name is Aaron Shamp, and you're listening to Filter. Today we're doing something we haven't done in a little while now, which is doing just one of our uh, episodes where I do some commentary, answer some questions, or just do teaching on a different topic. We're going back to something that I had uh, left off with but earlier this summer, which was doing a series on how to read the parables. I did part one a couple months ago, I'll have that linked below in the description or and in, in, in the show notes too, if you want to be able to catch up on that. But today we're going to be jumping back in, looking at part two of how to read the parables. I love the parables, it's one of my favorite things to study on my own, it is one of my absolute favorite uh, types of uh, a text in the Bible to teach from, and uh, lucky for me, uh, since I love them, there is uh, tons and tons of parables, because Jesus loved teaching from the These uh, short stories that we have in the Gospels. So, we're going to start off with the introduction just by doing a quick recap of what we learned in episode one of uh, this short little series on parables. And then we're going to look at, uh, we're going to move on in learning how to read parables. So, first of all, in the last episode, we learned that uh, whenever we come to just Bible interpretation in general, that proper interpretation and application is essential for reading the Bible. We can't just come to it with our own preconceived ideas and notions of, of what exactly a passage might mean uh, and, and, and so on. But we need to make sure that we're asking the right questions Um that we are reading it in context, using the right rules and so on, so that we get a good interpretation and that we, that, that good interpretation then leads us to the correct application in our lives. So we need to make sure that we are using proper interpretation and application whenever we are reading the Bible. Once again, parables are these short stories used by Jesus to teach us about life, about the gospel and the kingdom. He used them very often. And uh, usually he was addressing one of these three categories. When we look at the parables, there are different types of parables, and how we approach our interpretation of the parables should be largely dependent on what type that we are reading. Okay, So obviously, whenever we are reading different types of literature in the Bible, because the Bible is filled with different types of literature, there's there's poetry, there's historical narrative, there's wisdom literature, uh, and, and so on. Right. And so whenever we read those different types, we use different interpretive rules. We don't read poetry in the same way that we read historical narrative and so on. And the same is true when we read the Gospels. We don't uh, use the same interpretive principles whenever we're reading one of Jesus' parables as we do uh, as we do whenever we are just reading about um, a, a, a a reportage on something that Jesus did. Right. And so the same thing is true if we get even more detailed in terms of what types of parables We're reading about. Once again, this is something that I went over in uh, part one of this series, which you can go back and watch the different types of parables and how they just kind of adjust the way that we look at them a little bit differently in terms of is this a kingdom parable? We'll be talking about that again. You know, is it a kingdom parable that changes the way we interpret it a little bit and so on? We're going to be getting deeper into that here in this episode. Finally, uh, in our review, the key to good Bible interpretation is to discover what the author or speaker. Uh, was intending to convey and what it have meant to the original audience. This really is the core of uh, what it means to do good biblical interpretation here, because we have to remember that everything we read in the Bible was originally uh, spoken to or being read by an original audience from the original author uh, or, or speaker, right? And so that author or speaker had a specific purpose and message that they were trying to communicate to those people who were listening. And if we're going to understand scripture well, then we need to make sure that we understand that message and then try to connect it to our life today and see, okay, so what are the principles that they were uh, teaching about here in this passage or in this narrative that then connects to our life today? Uh, what does it mean for how we live it out today? And so on. And so it's the same thing when it comes to parables. We need to make sure what was Jesus trying to communicate to these people in this time and place And then once we establish that, then we draw from it the principles that still apply to us today um, and the application. So let's move right along then. So when it comes to the exegesis of the parables, exegesis is just the uh, fancy term. It's the theological or academic term that we use for uh, how to interpret the Bible. When it comes to the exegesis of the parables, I'm going to give you four steps. The first one. This is the very, very complicated one. Read the parables repeatedly. <laughs> Obviously, I'm just kidding about it being complicated. It's actually something really simple and that, and that people often don't think about when they they ask themselves, how am I supposed to understand the Bible better? One of the best ways you can understand it better is just by reading the same passage over and over again. This is something that I do frequently in my own uh, preparation for sermons, teaching, or if I'm just uh, uh, doing devotion and, and trying to understand a passage of scripture, read it again and again. Take even It doesn't have to be extremely long. Take 15 minutes. Just 15 minutes to read a passage over and over again. And take notes as you do. Whenever you read the passage, you take notes. Take notes and ask questions of yourself and of the passages you're reading it. And you'll notice, you'll read it, you know, the second or third time and you're thinking to yourself, okay, I've, I've seen or read everything that is here in this passage. But then, uh, I, I always notice this in myself as well as others whenever they apply this, uh, after you read it several more times and then, you know, you've been reading for 10 minutes or so, all of a sudden there's something in the passage that jumps out at you that had been there whole, the whole time but you had just been missing it somehow. And now there's something in the passage that surprises you. Okay. And so that's something to take note of. So whenever you're, you're reading this passage or this parable, read it again and again and take notes just of the, the, the bare facts as you see them. Every time you read it through again, take another note of things you're seeing now. And then, and then you, this time you read it through and you see, oh, this doesn't really make sense here to me this this is kind of weird or confusing and so you just go ahead and write out that question and then uh, on another reading you realize oh you know jesus keeps repeating this word this same word he keeps using over and over again or this phrase he keeps he keeps coming back to a couple of times maybe there's something there maybe there's something important in that so go ahead and write that down as well this is one of the best things you can do to reading the bible better is just reading the parable uh, or any passage once again repeatedly take notes ask questions and uh, this will lead to getting some good insight. The next thing you do, once again, this is uh, not something that requires advanced theological training, is just place the parable in its context. context. Place the parable in its context. What I mean by that is, uh, is just simply in what comes before and after this parable in whatever section you're reading it from, in Matthew or uh, Luke or wherever else. The parable that you're reading, go take a couple steps back, see what led up to it, what comes before it, and then what happens after it? This is going to be really, really important and give you some good insight into what this parable means and how you should understand it. What happened right before Jesus told this parable? Did he have an interaction with somebody? Did he have conflict with the Pharisees, Sadducees, and so on? Uh, what happened right before that led up to him teaching this? Or were there several other parables that he told leading up to the one that you're reading now? Okay, look at that context and then look at what happened afterwards. Often it's going to give you a good insight. Uh, into what it means. How did the people who were listening to him respond to what he had said just then? Uh, Especially, did someone get angry? That's often a good uh, indicator to you of what Jesus was trying to get across. If he teaches a parable and then it says that uh, that the Pharisees and Sadducees went off Uh, to figure out what they were going to do about him that's a good indicator to you of what jesus was talking about in the parable there okay so once again place it in context what happened before what happened afterwards do there does there seem to be a narrative flow does there seem to be some similar themes that are holding it all together that give you an insight to oh okay you know this was happening here this happens afterwards jesus tells this parable maybe he has a lesson that applies to this context from the parable okay Next, going on to step three, identify the points of reference that will be recognized by the original audience. So remember, what Jesus was doing here is he was using parables as a teaching tool. And any good teacher using a a tool like a parable or an illustration is going to choose something that uh, has points of reference in it that connect with the people who are listening to it. So in other words, uh, what I mean by that is this. If the parable has characters, who do they respond with? Once again, Jesus is talking to a crowd of people and there are different people in the crowd. There are his disciples maybe, but then there are just people in the crowd who are there listening, investigating. They're not one of his committed disciples yet. They're just checking him out. Well, in the parable, does there seem to be a group of people who are more insiders and outsiders, right? That, that's points of reference. Or if there's Pharisees in the crowd, does there seem to be, or are or, or other opponents of Jesus? Does there seem to be a group of characters in that parable? Who correspond to those Pharisees, Sadducees, whoever else would be listening? Uh, things beyond just characters, uh, but just think, where does Jesus pull this parable from? Is it a parable that would connect with the world of agriculture? Remember, the, the context of Je- the historical context Jesus would be speaking in would be an agricultural driven economy. So does he, uh, pull it from agriculture? Does he pull it from, uh, some other, uh, commerce such as fishing? Uh, he, he, he refers to, uh, he refers to the temple, right? He refers to wedding practices, uh, and all all these different things in his, his parables because he's, he's drawing from, uh, real things, right? Real experiences in his listeners lives that, would help them to connect to the story he's telling and then get the lesson that he has for them. Very often, you might be able to have a uh, somewhat surface level connection or understanding what Jesus is talking about, right? The parable of the seed and the sower. Okay, that's obvious. He's talking about agriculture. But to really get a deeper understanding of it, it's often going to require some cultural or historical study. And so for that, you're going to need a good resource to help you people start asking me very often what kind of books i need to get and commentaries investing into or or, or programs to subscribe to and and let me tell you uh, you can get some great commentaries out there some excellent programs but really the number one best investment that you can make to help you even with this kind of study is just a good study bible A good study Bible will give you uh, plenty enough information that you need to grasp uh, the cultural historical context to understand these parables. My two favorites are, uh, and you can actually see them over my shoulder on the bookshelf, my favorites are the ESV study Bible and the CSB study Bible. So that's the English Standard Version published by Crossway, their study Bible, and then the Christian Standard Bible uh, published by uh, Lifeway. Uh, or Broadman and Holman, uh, their study Bible. Both of those are uh, extraordinary study Bibles. You can buy the physical copies. Uh, you can also buy digital copies through apps or, uh, or online. They're excellent, and they'll give you uh, a lot of great uh, resources to get that historical and cultural context. Um, a little hint here, Jesus often retold existing parables, but with a slight twist to them uh and so this is something that you might get from a deeper commentary as well but once again the point is that jesus was a master teacher and a master teacher uh, will draw from experiences in their listeners lives uh, so that they are able to connect with the lesson that is being taught okay Another point of the points of reference in the parables is that it is supposed to uh, provoke a response from the listeners and also provoke a response from you whenever you start saying, okay, well, what are the points of reference in my life that Jesus would maybe use if he was to retell this parable? And that's precisely what Jesus was meant to do. Once again, it's so that the lesson that he is teaching really connects with the lives of the listeners. Step four, try to determine how the original hearers would identify with this story and therefore what call to action they would have heard. It goes right along with what I was just saying. Jesus wanted his audience to respond in every single parable that he teaches, there is a lesson that he has for them, but not just a lesson that would fill their mind with information and leave them unchanged, right? But this was information they needed that would then lead to life change, that would lead to repentance, that would lead to them uh, being devoted to him, that would lead to uh, some other acts of obedience, righteousness, or so on. Jesus wanted his audience to respond. uh, And one of the most famous examples, The parable of the prodigal son we often miss out on how there's that second son at the end of the story the elder brother who is left out of the party because he is not willing to experience um, uh, uh, being a part of the father's family and sitting at the father's table by grace alone like his younger brothers experienced the reason jesus was the reason jesus was telling that parable is because there was a group of people there namely the pharisees and sadducees the religious establishment who were very self-righteous who uh, found it difficult to understand that God would accept people at his table who were sinners and who were there by grace alone, who had not earned it, followed the law, and so on. Jesus told the parable of the prodigal son as an appeal to those people who were listening to respond in a way which was repentance and acceptance of God's grace. Um, Perhaps, you know, the ways he was responding was self-examination, humility, repentance, joy, a decision, or something else. Whenever we study the parables, what we should always intend to do and try to do is to catch the full force of that initial rendering of what those people would have heard of the parable and then translate that truth into our life and to those that we minister to and and, and do life with. So once again, once you start to understand these points of reference and what it would have meant, uh, the historical context of the parables, it can be really helpful to start to translate some of those ancient details into more modern details or, or ask yourself, uh, you know, be, be creative and say, OK, so if Jesus was to tell uh, this exact same, if he was to tell this same parable today with the exact same lessons, uh, uh, types of characters and so on. Right. Don't change any of the essential elements of the story, but just change the, the 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 details of it. Right. To make it modern. What would a modern version of this parable Uh, sound like and that can actually be a really fun creative exercise that you can do that also really helps you to understand the parable deeper apply it to your life and then maybe share with somebody one day okay let's talk about kingdom parables like i mentioned at the beginning there's different types of parables one of those different types is the kingdom parable and when we read kingdom parables there's just a couple of points that are unique to how we interpret these the first one is this, that the kingdom is often to be viewed as the whole of the parable rather than one specific point of reference. So in other parables, we're looking at, okay, there are these characters or there is, um, there is a vineyard or there is a field, there is a seed, right? And, and each one of these individual points of reference uh, correspond with, with, with one thing or place, uh, right? Or, or, or people group. In kingdom parables, we instead, instead of seeing like the individual points as connecting different things, the whole of the parable should be read as being uh, about the kingdom. I'm going to give you an example of that. In Matthew 13, 31 and 32, it says he presented another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all the seeds, but when grown, it's taller than the garden plants and becomes a tree. So the birds of the sky come and nest in his branches. So the primary points of reference in this parable would be the mustard seed that uh, the, the man plants, uh, who obviously corresponds to God in this uh, example, and then the tree afterwards. Okay, those would be the primary points of reference. But these do not respond uh, correspond with different uh, things in life, right? One of them is not uh, like... The Old Testament and then the one, in the New Testament. No, they both refer to the kingdom. So in this kingdom parable, the kingdom is both the seed and the tree. Okay, so the whole of the parable respond, corresponds with the kingdom. The second point is that a kingdom parable should be understood alongside other kingdom parables spoken in the same context. Very often in the Gospels, what you see is that it's rare you'll see a kingdom parable by itself. Instead, you usually see a couple of them in a sequence. Or uh, or one right after another. It might just be a couple. It might be a lot. Uh, sometimes we get a long string of these kingdom parables, and whenever we do, we see that. Just like with anything else, we want to take them uh, as a whole context. So, uh, some examples uh, in the parable of the mustard seed in Matthew 13. That's actually one example of a long string of kingdom parables where Jesus talks about the sower and the seed, the wheat and the tares the parable of the leaven, the parable of the hidden treasure, the pearl of great price, and and and, and so on. It's a long string of parables. Uh, some of them are like the sower, the seed, wheat, and the tares. Those aren't necessarily kingdom parables, but still because we have them presented to us in one long thread, we want to try to take all these together and consider them together as much as we can. What we're doing is we're looking for these are kind of theological terms here, but we're looking for a progressive theme of revelation. All that means, a progressive theme of revelation just means uh, a, a lesson that is being told over time, okay? So is, is the lesson is progressively being told. That's what we mean. So a progressive theme of revelation that Jesus gives as he strings the parables together. So as he gives one parable and the next and then the next, each one reveals, so revelation, a new theme right? or, or, or builds one upon the other. And so they're meant to work together and build on each other. So very often you'll see a string of kingdom parables and one of them, uh, like the, the mustard seed that I read to you before tells us, okay, so the kingdom, uh, the lesson of that parable, put simply, the kingdom starts out small, but it grows large, okay? But then you have other ones about, uh, that tell us different things about the kingdom, Uh, and so what you do is you then say, okay, so the kingdom starts out small and it grows large. The kingdom might uh, grow, it grows slowly over time. It doesn't uh, doesn't, uh, come overnight, in other words, and so we build these themes one upon another. Let's talk about parables and allegory. Um, in Matthew 13 with the uh, stories of or the parables of the wheat and the tares, the seed and the sower, Jesus gives us these points of reference explicitly and shows us how they function as an allegory how there was a hidden meaning beneath these points of reference uh, and so that without these specific points of reference and without the hidden meaning you wouldn't really be able to understand the story now it would be tempting to start going and uh reading all the other parables allegorically looking for hidden meanings and and ways that they correspond to different things in life Uh, but we need to understand that not all the parables are true allegory okay Uh, in in the parable of the prodigal son we can see how there's points of reference how um because the context jesus is eating with with sinners and the Pharisees are grumbling about it. And so that corresponds to the younger son with the sinners, the elder son with the, uh, with, the, with the Pharisees and the people who are grumbling. Right. But the story itself is not a true allegory. There, not every single element of the story is meant to be uh, is intended for us to find some hidden meaning behind it and then draw this lesson out of it that Jesus didn't intend. So we need to be careful and make sure that we only read in allegory where the text pre- uh, clearly presents to us that there's allegory. Like So, for example, if Jesus interprets it that way himself, uh, but then not start to allegorize where it is not intended. All right. A good rule of thumb. And this this is really, really great advice. A good rule of thumb is that if the original audience would not have grasped the allegorical elements, then Jesus probably didn't intend it. OK, so the most famous example of this, of, uh, of allegorization, where it's not intended, would be uh, St. Augustine's interpretation of the parable of the Good Samaritan. And he, uh, he finds a point of reference for every single little detail in the parable and draws it to many things which would uh, only make sense in his context, but not in the original hearers. And so Jesus wouldn't have told a parable to his, his original hearers. That would have had all these points of reference that they wouldn't have been able to connect with, and then, and then, obviously, uh, by virtue, then never be able to understand the parable. Okay. So let me give you a couple of example exegesis. So walk through a couple of parables with you. So uh, first one, really simple. This one comes from Luke chapter seven, uh, Luke seven forty one and forty three. It says <clears throat> a creditor had two debtors, one owed five hundred denarii and the other fifty. Since they cannot pay it back, he graciously forgave them both. So which one of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one he forgave more. All right, so if we're doing exegesis here, we ask some of our questions. What's the context? What are the points of reference? Well, the context here in Luke 7, if you remember, is that Jesus is uh, eating a dinner at Simon's house. Simon is a Pharisee. It says that a woman of the city comes in and she starts to weep and uh, washed Jesus' feet with her tears, wiping it with her hair. It's a beautiful touching moment, but Simon grumbles to himself, right, because of this display of emotion that she has and because Jesus is allowing her uh, to, to touch him, with the, uh, especially considering the reputation that she had. So that's the context here. And so we can ask, okay, so what are the, the points of reference in this parable? What is Jesus trying to get at? Well, there are two debtors to uh to this creditor one of them had a huge extraordinary debt one of them uh, it was not as large and they're both forgiven jesus says so which one of them is going to love the creditor more because they are forgiven simon says well obviously the one that was forgiven more what jesus is doing here is uh it, it starts to become pretty clear and obvious at this point okay so what he was trying to do is trying to get simon to recognize that uh that he has his own sin has been forgiven. But if he would understand how much he has been forgiven, which is what that woman understood, then he would have the same reaction. All right. The application of that to our own life is that to the greater degree that we recognize our forgiveness or how we have been forgiven, the greater we will love and be grateful to God. Okay. Let's do another one. The mustard seed and the leaven. In Matthew thirteen thirty one and 33, he presented another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when grown, it's taller than the garden plants and becomes a tree. So the birds of the sky come and nest in his branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and mixed into 50 pounds of flour until all of it was leaven. So this is the one that we looked at earlier, the mustard seed, but with the next little parable uh or you can say parabolic statement really that comes after it so this gives us uh, a new one to look at we can ask once again what kind of parable is this what's the context what are the points of reference we can identify well if we ask what kind this is then it's pretty obvious because jesus says it explicitly but these are kingdom parables these are kingdom parables jesus says the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of heaven twice here and so these are kingdom parables one is referencing agriculture, right? Because it's talking about the mustard seed that a man took and uh and sowed in the ground. The other one's talking about a woman who took some leaven and uh and made it into flour. She's baking bread. So the other one is referring to baking. These are things that, once again, would be a part of their everyday life. And uh and, and so, what are the points of reference we can identify and so on? Well, Remember, in kingdom parables, the, the whole thing is about the kingdom. And so in the first one, the mustard seed, uh, the kingdom is the seed and the tree. And in the uh, one of the leaven, the kingdom is the leaven before uh, that was mixed into the flour. And then it is the, also the leaven that is after it has been leavened. Okay, And so what does this mean? It means the kingdom of God starts out small and obscure like that seed, but it grows slowly and steadily just as leaven slowly works its way through the flower. Um, It grows slowly and steadily into the world transforming movement that God intends, which is that. Uh, that tree that becomes so large that all the birds of the sky can come and nest in his branches, so you see how we build the meaning uh, and the lesson of those two parables, build it one upon another to get a um, to get a a sense of what Jesus uh, was intended intending to teach them and then what does it mean for us today as we apply it? well, it means first of all that we shouldn 't be concerned with appearance. Uh, because, the, as Jesus said, the kingdom starts out small, but then it grows, right? So don't be uh, overly concerned with appearance and, 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 and smallness or feeling marginalized or so on. And going along with that, don't be distressed by loss of cultural influence, right? Because the kingdom continues to grow and advance no matter how small it seems. The, can, the kingdom, like the leaven that, that uh, leavens the bread, the flour, uh, it eventually spreads uh, throughout and influences the whole Of wherever it is though it might be a slow process okay well i hope that you guys enjoyed this episode uh wrapping up this little two-part series and the parables here i hope that it's helpful to you as you learn how to read the parables if you have any more questions uh feel free to leave them in the comments on youtube if you're watching this on youtube or uh shoot us a message in some other way to reach out. Love to help out there. Uh, if you are looking for further resources, I will include all that in the show notes. So be sure to go and check those out. Uh, while you're here, before we go, let me encourage you to subscribe to the show on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you might be getting this so that you don't miss out on any future episodes. And if you did find this helpful, it would really be uh, appreciated if you would leave us a rating and review. It helps us out to uh, boost in the search results so that other people can help Uh, be helped by this content uh, by your positive rating and review and, uh, or also share it with friends and family, others that you think could be helped by this content. Well, once again, I want to thank you guys so much for joining us on this episode of filter. Uh, We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. I hope this episode provided you with biblical clarity to live with confidence in our confusing world enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast please share it with others post about it on social media or leave a rating or review to catch up latest from me you can go to my website aaronchamp.com while you're there subscribe to my newsletter so that you can be updated anytime i share new content you can also follow me on facebook instagram and twitter at aaron m Champ. thanks again and i'll see you next time until then hold fast to the